You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win podcast. Uh, special episode today. Very happy to have you. We're going to be talking about whether fractional CMOs make any sense at all for business owners. Uh, the uh, Our guest today, I'll go in there, please subscribe, leave a review, comment, like, follow, etc. But I want to get into introducing our guest today. Very excited to have him. He is the author of They Ask, You Answer, a revolutionary approach to inbound sales, content marketing in today's digital consumer. He's a partner at Impact. Uh, that's impactplus.com, a marketing consultancy based on They Ask, You Answer. Uh, interestingly, I actually had, and I forgot to talk about this with him before the show, but I actually had the CEO of Impact Plus a couple of years ago, Bob Ruffalo, on the show. Uh, and uh, so that's pretty cool. So nice to have uh, this gentleman on. Uh, I noticed that he and former President Barack Obama are speaking this year at the uh, HubSpot, <laughs> not necessarily on the same stage at the yeah, same time. Yeah, but... yeah, I'm sharing the stage with yeah. Obama. That's right. That's right. right. That's what all speakers do. It's like he'll be, well, he was on he'll that be stage introducing you. He'll be introducing <laughs> right. you, I assume. That, that's right. That's right. I've been trying to prep his team on how to say it just right. Right. So the so he's speaking at HubSpot's inbound conference this year in Boston. And with that, I give you Marcus Sheridan. Welcome, Marcus. Yeah. Ben, I'm so glad that we get to chat. And uh, as we were saying before the show, that's what, to me, good social media is all about, right? We have we have a healthy exchange, healthy debate on the platform. It leads to you saying, hey, why don't we have a chat on, on my show about it? And here we are, right? I mean, that's the circle of life. And uh, I think it's a bit of a lost, it's a lost art in society, uh, which really is, we should have healthy debate about things. And uh, we should uh, get excited when someone shares a different opinion, because there's an opportunity, opportunity, opportunity to learn. Because going into this, I am sure that I have a skewed opinion of what is fractional anything, right? It's just across the board, because I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not living it the same way you're living it. Right, just like I've got a perspective that somebody who is a fractional CMO or fractional anything for that matter is going to say, okay, I see where he's coming from. So I'm sure we're going to have a good conversation today. Yeah, no, I think I think it's good, and especially with the polarization today and the echo chambering that mm-hmm. people and you know that people get involved in, and which social media can actually exacerbate because people are only following people they agree with and. Uh, and sometimes they flame have flame wars with people on the other side, but not actual conversations of anything. So fully agree. I would feel bad, Ben, if all of my, quote, followers, whatever you want to call it, if they all agreed with me every time. Like, <laughs> what good is that? Yeah, it's boring. What, what, what good is that? And, and uh, you know, I... Um, I've had, you know, people ask me over the years about certain folks. Uh, Tony Robbins is a good example, right? So um, I don't love everything about Tony Robbins. I also don't deny the fact that he's helped millions of people. That's unquestionable. It's unquestionable. And there's a lot of really, really uh, profound teachings that he has that he has made in the past. But he's not my cup of tea. But that doesn't mean that his content doesn't have incredible value. They can coexist. Right. And I'm fine with that. 
And I can see someone and say, not my cup of tea or not my style per se with everything. I'm certainly with some things, but not everything. But I can still value the things that I value from him. Right. That's an amazing point. Well, let me get in. So before we get into the substance of the conversation, if you can give everybody like a two minute background, maybe like on the elevator pitch explaining they ask you answer for those who are not familiar with it, even though it's not directly related to the conversation. Yeah. Uh, and I super, think it'll be a good super, context for people understanding you. Yeah. Super quick background here. So I started a swimming pool company called River Pools in 2001 out of, out of university. And uh, things were going okay up until about 2008, 2009, when we had the market collapse. And it was during that time that I thought I was going to have to file bankruptcy. I was going to lose my home. My business partners lost their homes. So we had to figure out how to get, how to, how to save the company. We didn't have much time. We certainly didn't have any money. And that's when I started to read about the internet, learn about internet marketing. Uh, I was doing sales at the time, but I think I had a marketer's heart in many ways because I was quite observant, naturally observant about the world around me, right? And self-aware about my own changes as a buyer, as as a consumer. And so the more I started to study and then I learned about inbound marketing and content marketing, I'm like, okay, so if I just obsess over my customers' questions, in this case about pools, and I'm willing to address them on my website through text and video, I just might save my business. And so I said, well, that's what we're going to do. We're going to call this, they ask, you answer. I always like to name things because it's important in terms of making it stick, whether it's with your team or with a a broader group of people. I'm always Mm -hmm. naming stuff. And so I said, we're going to call this, they ask, you answer. We're going to become the Wikipedia of fiberglass swimming pools. And so brainstormed every single question I'd ever received about fiberglass pools or in-ground pools in general and started answering them one by one every single night for about two straight years. And we became the most traffic swimming pool website in the world in that process. And we talked about things that nobody's ever talked about in the industry. How much does a fiberglass pool cost? Like nobody was talking about that. We openly talked about fiberglass versus concrete and and why concrete could be better and why fiberglass is sometimes better. And we, we just, we went there. They are being all the places where nobody ever goes because they're trying to protect something that doesn't exist, thinking it's like a 1995 and we don't have this thing called the internet. Right. Right. And so we said, we're going to go all in and so it blew up. And as I, as all this was happening, I started just to write a personal blog about what I was learning about digital marketing, digital sales, things like that. And then started to get traction. People started to say to me, hey, can you teach me that whole they ask you answer thing, Marcus? Can you teach that to my company? So before I knew it, I had an agency. And then people started you know, saying, can you share that from our conference stage? So before I knew it, I was speaking full time. And I transitioned out of the pool company. I still own it, uh, part of it today. But um, I, I transitioned out and I own an agency today that's got about 70 employees and we help companies all over the world become the most trusted voice in their space through They Ask You Answer. And um, and I speak uh, full time and it's just really amazing life, Ben. And, and so if anybody's read They Ask You Answer, this is where the part about the fractional CMO comes into play, right? Okay. And, which I know we're going to get into, but but the fundamental premise of they ask you answer is you've got to obsess over your customers' questions, worries, fears, issues, concerns, which means you better stinking know your customers. That's number one. Then once you do that, you got to be willing to talk about it. Talk about that, which nobody else is willing to talk about in your space, because that's what the marketplace wants to know. So if you're going to talk about it, what that means is you are not, generally speaking, 
going to create something exceptional if you are not producing the content yourself in-house. So in other words, show me a case study where a company became the uh, WebMD of their, of their space. I'm talking about a traditional business here, right? right. I'm not talking about some like whatever, like, like publication. I'm talking about a traditional business. Show me one that became the most trusted voice online, a river pools uh, type of business that was outsourcing their content. I've never seen it before. And I've, I've looked, I've never seen it because when you're outsourcing your content, inevitably it's very hard to develop a culture where the writer let's say, or the videographer is meeting with the subject matter experts and helping them get better at being teachers and doing it consistently. Because to become the Wikipedia of your space, generally, you got to produce, I mean, and I've got the data on this, and it, of course it varies, but this is assuming quality and quantity both matter because they do. Anybody says they don't, they don't really in the internet. They both matter. They both matter a lot. And so, you know, if a company does this for 18 straight months of three articles a week that are high quality, they ask you answer style, talking about the subjects that everybody else tends to ignore, two videos a week for 18 straight months, they are on top of their industry and they never look back, right? They absolutely own their industry. And so doing that is a lift of all lifts, but I've done it a bunch of times now. I've helped a lot of companies do it. I've got multiple companies right now that are the most trafficked website in their entire industry. I got companies getting million visitors a month, 500,000 visitors a month. And these are like wow. stinking mom and pop businesses right. that are less than that, you know, that are less than a uh, $150 million businesses a year. And they're getting absurd numbers and they're leading their industry. They're like a digital David in the land of Goliaths. Right. And so how does that happen? It doesn't happen by doing it like everybody else. But it happens generally over the course of following this framework of they ask you answer over the course of about 18 months. So that is the quick, that's the really, and I know we're going to get into it. I know you're going to ask me some questions, but that's the real, um, like you can already start to see why yeah. I might be contrary to uh, uh, um, temporary anything. <clears throat> right. Right. No, that's, and that's good. And I think that does set up the foundation for asking the question, but before we ask that question, just so we have our terms like defined is how do you define what is a fractional CMO? And then I'll ask you the next question, which is, you know, why do you, why are you extremely skeptical about whether that could work for business owners? And I think you did set, you set up the answer to that question, but, uh, but what is a fractional CMO to you? So, um, so before I say anything about fractional CM, uh, fractional anything, let me let me say that um, I know for a fact that fractional CMOs, leaders, uh, sales managers can very much help a business for a season, whatever that season might be. They can come in and they can make an impact. I, there's there's no I've seen it. There's no question in my mind. And as somebody that does consulting which could be argued to a degree, Marcus, that's fractional, you know, that's, that's fractional what you do to a degree I'm doing it. So I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here. What I'm, what I, where I'm coming from, my point of view is that of a business owner thinking about a business that I plan on owning for a period of five or more years. Okay. That I'm not just going to try to flip 
the first chance. I'm not some SaaS company. I'm like a like I'm I'm like a company that is legitimately long-term thinking. That's that's the perspective I have as a business owner as I say what I say here. When I think about a fractional CMO, and by the way, my definition I'm sure is not going to be right and people listening to it are going to be like you're dope, you don't even know what you're talking about. Totally fine. Totally fine. Fractional CMO just means this that you go into it thinking that they're not going to always be with you. That's what it means to me. Okay. That's what it means to me. And I fundamentally have a problem with the, in in if we look at the the average time frame that a fractional CMO is with an organization, it's not 18 months. It's less than that. And so are there some that go 18 months? Yes. Are there a lot that go 6 or 9? Yes. And so to me, it just comes down to timeframes. And what I've seen in terms of what it takes to create a special culture of thought leadership, i.e. content production within an organization with text and with video. And it almost always takes 18 months before the flywheel is fully turning and burning. That's my issue. Right. Understood. Um, I mean, you, you really, I mean, you, you answer the question that I'm trying to think which, which way to take the conversation from here, I guess, is that. Well, first of all, I would, I mean, I would, I would agree with you that temporariness is typically one element of any kind of fractional executive engagement, whether marketing or something else. Yes. Um, I would also define, and maybe you're just assuming this as part of the word CMO, but I would just want to make sure to put a point, a fine point on it. Is it a CMO as opposed to a marketing agency, let's say, is someone yes. that's taking ownership or their firm is taking ownership of the entire marketing function of the business whether that's supervising internal staff or external staff or vendors, whoever the power is uh, for whatever's being executed, they're taking ownership of all of that and all of them, you know, again, whether internally or externally, that's just, I would, you know, maybe you already assumed that, but that's what I would also I agree. Add, and I, add yes, in there. I, I, I agree with that. Yes. Um, and I guess in thinking about the conversation, I mean, Thinking about what you're describing doing, I mean, I I don't think I could dis I mean I don't think I could disagree with you, and I certainly can't negate your experience of all the companies you've tried to help do this and all the ways and maybe easier ways or less expensive or less invested ways that people have tried to do what you're teaching, and you say like, well, I've seen people try it, and if you don't go all in, if you don't hire a content manager, if you don't hire a videographer, etc. Cetera, etc., cetera, then it's not going to work. And plus, let's put those people aside, and you have a CMO. And if they're at three other companies and they're not, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know, they're not the cult leader kind of building this cult of. Well, of, of that's leadership. a good way to put it. Imagine for a second. All right. Imagine you go into a company as the CMO and the plan is that you're going to be there for um, 12 months. And to pull off this success long-term success of becoming the thought leader of your space. You're like, okay, uh, CEO, here's what we need to do. We need to hire a full-time content writer in-house. Sure, I mean, could we outsource it? Yes, but are we gonna get half the results? No, 
if we don't. So you, you're going to do that. And then CEO says, well, who's going to train that person? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to help train that person. Okay. All right. Uh, and we also need a videographer and that videographer um, is going to help us to, to show our story and to visually answer all of our customers' questions, address their fears, worries, concerns, et cetera. Okay, great. So who's going who's gonna to train that person? Well, the, well that's going to that's gonna be me. It's going to be me, the CMO. Okay. Well, how long does it take them to get really, really good at their job? Well, it takes them... Uh, usually the content writer, anywhere uh, between three to nine months, takes them to get really, really good, really proficient. Okay, what about the videographer? Well, the videographer usually takes about six to 12 months. Okay, but you're only going to be here for 12 months. So what you're telling me is that just as they start to become great, you're going to leave them. What am I supposed to do about that? Well, um, I'm going to help you find somebody else. Yeah, but how do we know they even believe in this whole model of they ask you answer and be utterly transparent and be, be more honest and open than anybody else online and, and really just understand how it works. And, and plus like there's a relationship here because if you're going to be a great CMO today, you've got to have a deep seated relationship with the sales team, period. You've got to have like your BFF and the company should be the head of sales, in my opinion, and somebody on leadership, of course. Right, but you got to have a tremendous relationship with head of sales. Is it really going to happen that you're going to build this unbelievable revenue team where sales and marketing are under this glorious umbrella and everybody's working together and there's no silos? If the mindset is, I'm not going to be here in six or 12 months, I don't think it's very easy to do. <laughs> I don't think that's, I don't think that's. Could there be exceptions? Everything I say, by the way, because somebody's listening to this right now and saying, I think there's exceptions. Of course there's exceptions. There's exceptions to pretty much everything, everything. So there's going to be exceptions. I'm speaking in general terms for the majority of organizations. Now, do I believe very much so in uh, any type of fractional leadership for something that is very campaign-based? Yes. But when it's culturally based, uh, I'm out. I'm out. I want someone that is purely thinking, I'm in it long haul, long term. Now, there's another component to this. And this is going to frustrate a lot of people because it's going to be one of those um, stereotypes about fractional leadership that's going to just uh, make people's hair on their arm stand up, which is this. I think as it is. We undervalue marketing and business. We're still living like it's 1995. And sales is, that's what, by the way, the year before the internet started to take off, right? Where sales handled the majority of the sales process. We all know marketing owns the high majority of the sales process today. Roughly about 80% based on what all the studies show us. And it's not really even a sales process anymore. It's a buyer's journey right? And we own roughly 80% of that journey. And then sales owns about 20% of it. And so people, if people, should read, people should read the book where you, they ask you answer, where you make the case for this and give the numbers and, you know, and, and try to explain this for people who do still feel, because a lot of people do feel like you just said that well, it's just sales, outrageously flawed. It's all about sales. Yeah, it's, it's terribly flawed. And so this is why there's still uh, significant compensation 
uh, differential between sales and marketing in the world today. Uh, this is also why uh, marketing departments are notoriously understaffed, as anybody listening to this would know. This is why marketing departments notoriously wear multiple hats. This is also why silos still exist because there can be, not always, again, there's exceptions, but there can be at times arrogance uh, from the sales department, like, hey, we're the ones that are just really calling, dictating the shots around here. Like the whole business yeah. rises Market, Marketing is the redheaded stepchild. Marketing is, is the redheaded stepchild. So it's not every organization, but that's very, very many. And so we, we, we want as marketers for them to stop seeing it as a cost, as an expense, because sales is viewed as a revenue. Why is it marketing viewed as revenue? If we're handing it 80% of the buyer's journey, why is marketing not considered revenue? And that DAG, like when we talk about your CFO, when you look at a financial spreadsheet, they're still calling the marketing department most of the time an expense. And so when we see things as an expense, what do we do? We say, okay, let's find patches, a patch. And so in other words, um, yeah, okay. I know I need to, I, I know I got to fix marketing. So let me bring somebody in temporarily. That's going to help solve the problem. And then I'm going to be okay. That's BS because what solves problems are truly like having cultural initiatives, not programs, not campaigns where we say, this is who we are as an organization. We value marketing. We recognize its importance. Thus, we staff it up accordingly. Yes, we see what's happening with today's buyer. We see what's happening with trends with video. We know we can't do what we need to do from a storytelling and teaching standpoint if we don't own our own content. So we're going to produce it ourselves because that's the greatest way to scale this. So yeah, we're going to not only have a head of marketing, but we're going to have a content manager on staff full-time. We're going to have a full-time videographer. By the way, I'm speaking for any business roughly above $4 million right now in revenue, just roughly, okay? Above $4 million, they should have those three positions, three positions. And Wait, we are three in, positions, content manager, head content of marketing, manager, videographer. Head of marketing. Head of marketing. Okay? Right, you see call it CMO, whatever you want to call it. Content manager slash content writer, whatever you want to call it. Okay, that journalist person on staff that's that's really in charge of the written word and then the videographer. Those are the three. And usually the head of marketing is going to be the one that's more, uh, you know, running point on whatever analytics that company's using, be it a HubSpot or whatever the thing is. And the writer is just writing and writing and meeting and writing and, and meeting with the team and interviewing and just they're, they're in charge of the written word. That's their obsession. They're not going to the you know, stupid industry event or whatever the thing is because they know their role and they are making sure that we are having a high production of high quality, high uh, quantity content that's addressing the very specific questions, worries, concerns, issues, fears our buyers have all the time. We do it. We do it. And we never stop. It's like, you know, it's just, it's part of, it's our religion. It's like payroll. And so that's why, that's why I say, as a business owner that's owned a swimming pool company now for 22 years, that's owned an agency now for roughly 10 years, I am not going into it. Now, I've had fractional leadership before in my organization. I just don't believe in it when it comes to digital marketing at all. 
based on how long it takes to be outrageously successful in the team that's needed and the fact that it needs to be insourced and it ain't going to happen outsourced. Right. Okay. I hear you. I, I hear you. It, ma it makes a lot of sense. I would, I would point out a couple of things. One is that, um, is that you, you're talking about it like it's a choice between, you know, are you really going to invest in this or, and take it seriously and have a, these three full-time people or not, you know, and you're going to try to patch it or do something temporary, which again, I, I agree with you. What, and if you can, if you can do that and you're doing this instead and you, you're not investing in those things, then, I mean, I agree with you. You shouldn't, you Theoretically, you shouldn't be doing that if you have a choice. The problem yeah. is the problem is twofold: is that sometimes people are not where they have the resources to do that, or two, too yeah. often. Before we move to the next one, right. too often we blame resources right because of undervaluing the, the actual issue right. is priority and value. Right, right. And you talk about that in the book. That makes a lot of sense too. So I, I what I mean is. When that's actually true, not when that's when it's the, true. Right. When it's I mean, true, when it's actually true, not when it's the because of the mindset. But and the truth is, sometimes it could be like, you look, if you bring in a fractional CMO, let's say you the owner doesn't have the mindset, they're not like they're not appreciating it, and so they bring in a fractional CMO. Let's say they're, let's say they've drank the the ask you answer Kool Aid, yeah. and they're started at least, you know, they can't, you know, it won't be like it would be if they were fully doing it all out, but they could, they could show the value. They could sell the owner, you know, ownership, the rest of the leadership team and, you know, hopefully put in another Kool-Aid drinker whenever the time ends. Um, and, uh, and so look, that might be a, a path to get there uh, if the owner doesn't appreciate it. But let's say they do appreciate it or they do value it enough. They just legitimately don't have the resources for it. Um, so I think that there's two main use cases I see where a fractional CMO, let's just talk about fractional CMO specifically for a minute, yeah. uh, would be a good idea, even really honestly not disagreeing with anything you just said, uh, which is one where the resources aren't there to bring on somebody full-time at that level. So, you know, it's better to have the, whatever the value is that they could provide and to get things better and be more some strategic. Some is better than none. Yeah, some is better than nothing. Like not to be kind of these random acts of marketing that most people do, but to be strategic and to start driving execution, start making it better, maybe doing some of the principles of the SQ answer or maybe some other model. Um, that's one, one use case. The other one I think is, is that, you know, to find a head of marketing, I don't know, maybe you'll disagree again, because I know you help people hire too as part of your, your consulting agency. Uh, but one thing I've found with executive roles of all kinds, including marketing, and I know people that have tried like the Dickens to find the right person. Um, and sometimes it takes months and months and months or years, and it's just hard to find the right people, hard to find the right person to drive this. So rather than wait a couple of years to really invest till you have someone at the helm of the marketing ship, uh, you know, to, to, to be the advocate for that is to get going, be less, I guess, less desperate because you, it's not filled at all with the right, you know, with the right person. You get a right person who's doing it fractionally, do better so, till you can find you, that right person full time. Let me give you a counterpoint to the recruiting side of things. We have to ask ourselves, would every CEO say it's difficult to find great marketing people? 
Would every CEO say that? Are there some that have said, actually, we have great ones and they come to us? You see, I would argue that when a CEO, for the most part, is saying, we just can't find great marketers out there that want to be with us, is because they have not given that glorious vision to the head of marketing of here's the liberty and the freedom and the flexibility you're going to have. And not only are you going to have it, but you're going to have my full support. I'm going to value you as much as I value the sales department. In fact, sales is no higher than you are. You're both my revenue team. Your seat at the table is just as important as the head of sales in the organization. You're, one A, one B, it's the same. Now, do you think? For, have, so you think you've seen for, for people who are truly valuing it, and not not kind of putting out the job description as kind of a list of tasks and 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 go for activities that I'm asking you to do, but really being a partner and a leader and and having your backing. If that's given across, that you from what your experience is, is that no, it's not hard to find people who want who want those roles. Let's look at it like this. If you're an artist, what do you want to do? You want art. <laughs> That's right. You want paint. You want to make art. That's what you want to do. You realize every marketer out there is basically just an artist that wants to create art. That's what they want to do. The problem is some organizations say, okay, I'm going to give you one canvas to use a week. Some say, I'm only going to give you three colors, and that's what you have to make your art with. And then there's some that say, I'm going to give you full studio. You have everything you need, unlimited canvas. You're going to dictate what you want to produce from an art perspective, because I believe in you. I believe in your genius. Uh, and I'm going to give you whatever other help you need to pull this off, which is we want to create the best art in the world. Do you want to be a part of that? Now, I can't pay you necessarily um, more than anybody in the industry, but I can give you the freedom to be the best artist in the world and have the tools that you need. Do you want to come? That's what I'm espousing here, Ben. Mm -hmm. And so I have folks like there's a lot of folks that have contacted me at my agency and said, man, I just believe so much. And they ask you answer Marcus can I come and be a part of what you guys are doing? Because they believe in it as a marketer, honesty, transparency. They've been, you know, to your point, they've been the redheaded stepchild before they've been told, no, they've been, they've been, you know, obvious content has been given the thumbs down. They come with us and there's like, man, I'm going to be able to just like unleash the stallion that's in me because, you know, there's a lot of people listening to this right now that are, that are stallions and the stallions don't run. What do they do? They literally die or they jump the fence. That's how it works with stallions, right? And so, I mean, you, you realize how many emails I've gotten over the years saying, you know, Marcus, as from marketers, I'm just so frustrated. I'm at the point I'm ready to leave my company. I don't know what to do next. Happens so stinking much, Ben. Why is in terms of, in terms of chief officers, why once again is CMO has the least amount of time on average of all the chief officers within a company. It's the value that we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So again, are there times when, look, I know that I, I got 
like right now, I've got like uh, between my companies, I've got a hundred and something employees. I know what it's like to try to hire people. I'm not speaking. I'm not one of these right. people Is that, that in you know. Theory? I'm, I'm not some theoretical speaker that doesn't have 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 stinking employees. They exist. I'm not. I'm not that guy. So I'm living this. I'm breathing this. And I just believe that we don't necessarily paint the vision. When you get a CEO that is just wildly caring about marketing, as a whole, they say, I find great people because they mm. have a vision to paint. Right. Awesome. Glad I asked the question. Is there, what, 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 if any situations are there that would be appropriate for a fractional CMO? Quick sale. So let's say that post sale, you mean? Or no, no you... like no uh, post sale could be too, but let, let's say that um, that you're a startup and you know, the idea is that you have some type of exit uh, in very short period of time. Yeah. I'm doing it because you're not going to sell like somebody that thinks like me anyway. You're going to, you're going to sell somebody that wants to be there a short period of time. Like we got this task we need to do in a year. We got to ramp all these things up. We got to get all these numbers right in this period of time. Let's do that. I think that's totally valid. I think it's totally legitimate. I think it, when it's a situation of a specialty or a campaign, I love the idea of fractional when someone comes in and says, okay, I don't need you to be the entire head of marketing, let's say, but um, we need someone to launch this into like, let's say hypothetically, you know, uh, you know, introduce it to our team or teach it to our team or whatever. And this is your thing. And so rock and roll with that. I totally see that. You know, it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I think when somebody doesn't want to do, they ask you answer or doesn't want to like really, really aggressively do content. And it's just looking to blow up, let's say like it's a branding thing. And it's just like, I'm looking to do the brand. They got some branding background and that's all I want to do. And, and there's no interest in content production as a company. Okay. Yeah. I'd say at that point. Something other than a content strategy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm at, in fact, I'm fine with it on most things. I just, when it comes to content strategy, and becoming that voice of trust online and having a, a prolific digital sales and marketing mindset when it comes to text and video, I'm out. I hear it makes a lot of sense. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate having to have this conversation and you know, hear your perspective, get a lot more color on it. It's an honor to speak with you just from, uh, you know, from reading your book and, and working on actually did the, uh, I did a 24 minute video and, and what my other business is a fractional COO firm. I have 12 members of the team and I did a, how much does a fractional integrator cost? Smart video, 24 minutes. Uh, Jen Hamilton, our, our head of business development is, uh, you know, a big fan also, and gave me a whole list of things and we're working on whatever, just in the beginning of it. But you know, putting this stuff together and answering these questions and giving numbers that whatever, just, you know, inspired by the book. So I love it, man. Appreciate everything. Love hearing doing. that, Ben. You're, you're a good dude. I hope your audience has gotten something from this. If anybody's listening to this, you know, make sure you um, connect with me on LinkedIn. That's, that's where I pretty much live from a social perspective. And you can email me Marcus at Marcus Sheridan.com is the simplest one. Marcus at Marcus Sheridan.com. But nice. it's definitely a pleasure to uh, be with you today. Yeah, my pleasure too. Impactplus.com. You can check him out there too. Yeah, Marcus's email. Uh, 
again, appreciate you being on and we'll look forward to seeing everybody else on the other side. Thanks. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.